1: Mmm. I love scotch. I love
0: scotch. Scotchy, scotch, scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly.
2: Mmm, mmm, SignatureHorror.com. That's right, SignatureHorror.com Are
0: you annoyingly even killed? Emethamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! Emethamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth your doctor today if you experience the following oh my god increases in blood flow boost in testosterone ending of erectile dysfunction you're naughty this medicine is made for extreme cases of being eaten, killed or having extreme depression oh, come on. side effects include fits of rage acne bleeding in folks around you whooping cough hallucinations comas, trouble swallowing decrease in semen Increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges.
2: Oh my.
3: Hi, I'm Daphne Maxwell-Reed, and you have been listening to Crazy Train Radio.
2: Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele.
1: And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isles.
2: Boy, do we have a good one for you today. Everybody remembers this next guest for her most famous role as Aunt Viv on the iconic 90s television show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but as we like to say here, or I do anyway, I I can't speak for Elena, there is many layers to this onion, and these days, when you look at her whole package, she could be considered a renaissance woman, respected artist, designer with her masks, with the current situation. An education activist. She has been working out of her home in Virginia and is still happily married. At least I read so anyway. To a, a pioneering TV actor and director, Tim Reed. Our guest, Daphne Maxwell-Reed. Good morning.
3: Good morning to you. How are you today?
2: We're doing okay, Elena.
3: Oh,
1: I'm doing good. Besides the fact that it's Irish weather outside and it's so... Oh, uh, I don't even know
3: well, how to... It's Irish weather here in Richmond <laughs> as well.
2: <laughs> okay, so you're in the Richmond area, huh? I am. All right, my uh, parents have a place about an hour and a half south of 64 in Virginia Beach, so...
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm passing through that area quite often.
3: Yeah, it's a pretty part of the country.
2: That is for sure. So, Elena, why don't I go ahead and let you start off, uh, ladies, what first. What would you like to know, Elena?
1: <laughs> what would I like to know, Daphne? That is a good question. <laughs> but I think I should start off with um, something a little random, I suppose, just to ask... Um, what are some things that your fan base and people in general don't know about you? Because as Jonathan pointed out, you are very well known for playing Aunt Viv. and what else would you like to share to the people who only kind of know you for that?
3: Well, I'm also a mom, a grandmother, <laughs> I'm a photographer, a photographic artist, a published photographic artist. I wrote a cookbook. I design clothing as well as masks for this COVID season, as we call it. And um, I'm an all around nice guy.
2: (laughs) Well, on that note, and it's not my profession, I might want to check in with a doctor if you're a mother and a nice guy.
3: Well, guy is generic, non-generic. It's generic.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The joke was there, though. You know, I might as well.
3: It was. Go ahead and play it.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Well, I mentioned in the intro that you are married to Mr. Tim Reed, the actor, director, and another very creative guy. And some people, as Elena was telling me during our little pre-production chat, she remembers him from Sister, Sister. Yeah. But my question is, and you hear it's tough, How, how is it for you being married to somebody in the same difficult profession as the entertainment industry?
3: Well, we had the privilege of working together for 15, 20 years uh, since we've been married, or before and since we've been married. And there are highs and lows. There's some days that, were just awful because you can't get away from it when you take it home. Uh, But sometimes it it was very, very mm, rewarding. We've had a lot of fun together. We've faced a lot of challenges together. We built a studio together, full service film studio that we had for 15 years. And I'm a supporter of his dreams and he's a supporter of mine. So when you get the yin and the yang going, you can uh, get along the road toward some finite distance. We, are, we haven't decided to uh, make each other go away yet. So <laughs> <laughs> we're very much, uh, very much in love and uh, we still like each other.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> you yeah, know, that's a it's good point, difference. yes. <laughs> To quote a previous guest, even though it was in character per se, I may love you, but I don't like you right now. Yeah, sometimes. (laughs) Elena, do you have something else you want to bring up?
1: I do. A little bird told me, um, is it true that you were the first black woman to appear on the cover of Glamour magazine?
2: I
3: was back in
1: 1969.
3: That's amazing. It was fun.
1: That's so cool.
3: And a surprise to me.
1: (laughs) And a surprise, yeah.
3: It was a surprise. I was just taking pictures, editorial pictures, like I had been doing for a year and a half, two years, going back and forth between college and New York. And it ended up on the cover. And I was just as surprised as (laughs) anybody else was.
2: (laughs) That is so cool. Well, with that, what she just asked there about being the first for Glamour magazine Mm -hmm. being on the cover. Did they ever give you a reason of what, why was it Daphne compared to thousands of other models, actresses, you know, just so many people trying to do what you do?
3: No, we never discussed it. It never came up. Not something that you get to talk to a publisher about. I just showed up on the cover and went on with my life.
2: (laughs) That's a very, I don't know if gravitas is the word for it, but it just says something about your personality. You know, hey, great, I got that notch. Let's move on.
3: I am a blessed person, and I have been able to take advantage of a lot of wonderful opportunities that have come my way, and I have been prepared to... Achieve whatever I achieve at those opportunities. So that's kind of like my life.
2: Right on. So with that, and I know you guys don't have a lot of downtime, maybe more so now with COVID and everything else, but still keeping busy. If you and Tim or just yourself get a chance to sit down and watch something of entertainment value, whether it be a TV movie, maybe a glass of wine, cause you seem like you'd be a sophisticated woman. What is something that you would choose to watch? Are you a comedy or drama person? What kind of entertainment do you look for?
3: We have a standing invitation uh, for the two of us to meet in the bedroom, turn the TV on and watch those costume dramas like Britannia is what we're on now. But we've done all the wonderful um, costume dramas and dragons and <laughs> all those other wonderful shows. <laughs> and we like to, the Vikings, we like to watch those kinds of things together. And because they develop the characters so well and they're very interesting to watch. So that's what we kinda, you ready to watch TV now?
2: Okay. Do, but do you find yourself nitpicking when you watch something like that because of being in the industry or can you actually sit back and be entertained by something?
3: We can be entertained. We really, um, appreciate when we see a well-developed character who is and an actor who is doing that character very well. Um, we'll comment on that. We don't usually go for negativism because that's opinion and it means nothing. So, we just appreciate the art
2: form. Right on, Elena. That uh, makes sense for what I was going with in the chat.
3: No. Elena, <laughs> 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 what was he doing? Uh, it,
2: yeah.
1: it's, it's Irish slang and American slang, and I'm trying to like figure out what, what he's trying to say. Yeah. But okay, so uh, okay, he was talking about your downtime, and then I was going to be supposed to be asking about what it's like being a mom and a grandma and how's that going with- oh
3: well my son is going to be 50 years old so the mom part of it is kind of <laughs> <laughs> and my grandson just turned 15 so he's in that age where there's not a lot of interrupt uh, interaction you know you call him how you doing fine
1: <laughs>
3: okay never mind <laughs>
1: he's
3: just in the grunt stage so i i knew that was coming and uh, hey, it's part of of this journey that we're on. But I love being a mom and a grandma and I have two bonus kids and two more bonus granddaughters. So it's fun when we all get together. They're a hoop, they're talented. We're really proud of them. They're all successful in what they're doing. So you can't ask any more of your children than to be happy and successful.
1: That is beautiful. I do have a, actually another question because I'm trying to actually follow my own acting dreams. Okay. And um, yeah, I was just wondering, how's the uh, industry yeah, so. changed, and has their standards changed in the while um, compared to when you were out auditioning and doing all the stuff?
3: Um, well, there's just generational changes and yeah. changes in perception of what they think success is. Um, Now it's the number of likes you have on your Instagram. It has nothing to do with how you bring advertising to a, a television station because now there's not, when I was doing a lot of television, there were only three networks,
1: Right. there was no
3: cable. So you had three networks. And if you were on one network, they groomed you, they kept you going. They had show after show after, they let you develop shows they kind of found who they wanted and they kept using them. Now there are so many platforms and so many ways to express yourself on camera that you don't need any of that stuff anymore. So I find that on the uh, network shows, the auditioning process is very different now, COVID as well, because you audition on video, not in front of somewhere, someone like the yeah. director or the producer who can give you notes on what they're looking for in a character. They just send you a piece of paper and they say, read this and send it in. I'm oh, going, it makes no sense. I have no no idea what the show is about or what direction the director wants this character to go. So it's kind of, it's a dry kind of, way to do things and uh it's just going along with what they're doing next i try to roll with the punches so (laughs) we're doing auditions now
2: well with that said being dry and such do do you uh when normally when you're doing the in-person stuff did you were you given a heads up of what they were actually looking for and all that prior to going to an in-person audition
3: generally yes and generally in the audition as well you could ask questions and they could guide you and uh, help your interpretation of whatever the words were so that's a little different now
2: well we brought it up in the intro and such best known as Aunt viv to especially nowadays with all the streaming services and everything such as that but the big thing related to the show recently, was the 30th anniversary special that was on HBO Max. How was that for you, because I know you keep in touch with not only that cast, but other casts from other shows you've been involved with. How was that for you for a big milestone anniversary, everybody all being at the same place, same time?
3: That was the thrill, to see everybody in the same place at the same time. We have been together through the years with the weddings and sadly the funerals, the children being born, the new adventures that everybody is doing, Karen's writing books and making videos, and Tatiana's doing lots of little movies, and and it was wonderful to all, and because of COVID, it was wonderful to be able to hug somebody. <laughs> so when we showed up on set, we had all been through very strict COVID uh, protocols, and we were able to take our masks off and create a show that was a genuine reunion for all of us. We heard stories we had never heard before from folks. We um, shared our feelings about a lot of things that um, had happened, that we hadn't had the chance to share before. And we laughed our butts off. I mean, we had such a good time. (laughs)
2: Well, speaking of that, and it was all about having fun, but, and I know just based on your personality and such, that you don't let the backlash get to you, but there was obviously backlash from outside sources of replacing Janet Hubert, but you actually had the positive opportunity to meet her for the first time at the reunion. So what did you, what was your take of your interaction with her and just that whole uh, process. And how did you get involved replacing her?
3: I I didn't really replace her. She didn't go to work and I did. So (laughs) there's no replacing Janet. I brought (laughs) me to that character because they wanted me in that character when she was not there. So I never think of it as replacement. But I had never met her and uh, I was really very privileged to be able to acquire that role three years into the show. I thought it was a very cute role and uh, very anxious to go play with them. I had uh, passed up the opportunity to audition for the show when it first started uh, because they presented it as Oh, we've got this show we want you to go audition for. It's a sitcom with a young rap star. I said, no, no. (laughs) not going to do it. (laughs) So I didn't go to the audition, but then I saw the show and I said, ah, that was a really cute show. Anyway, when uh, the reunion came and I got the opportunity to finally meet her, I was pleased that I got to share this reunion with the woman who started this show. She belonged there, and the first thing I said to her when I met her and hugged her was welcome home. I'm glad that whatever had gotten her out of there was on the mend, and I was happy to have her there. She made the show just as much as I did. She had her fans, I had mine, and we have an iconic show that we both get to share. So that's just the way the cookie crumbles. And I don't worry about people's opinions. They don't uh, bread my, butter my bread, as they say. So yeah.
2: Opinions are like certain body parts that everybody's got them. So yeah. if it don't affect you...
3: It, uh, I don't pay any attention to that stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I definitely think you made the character your own, Daphne, because you can definitely tell the two different oh. um, characteristics. of it's
3: Very your, different.
1: And I actually like yours more because you were more like caring and like n- less proper. And, you know, like it was just. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> so, your
3: opinion. And you're allowed.
1: <laughs> I'm allowed. Yeah. So um, speaking <laughs> of Fresh Prince, um, could you uh, tell me about some of your memories working with the late uh, James Avery?
3: One Some of my fondest memories. I really loved the man. He was uh, the rock of the show a lot of the strength of the show itself came from him he was so talented and so giving and i know will learned a lot from him we all learned a lot from him he was an avid reader a historic uh, historical buff and a very well-trained shakespearean actor so we all were just mesmerized when he got on a roll and we had lots of philosophical discussions, the whole cast, we would sit around during rehearsals when we were kind of between whatever they were doing and what we needed to do. And we would sit down on the couch in the living room and talk about existentialism. We'd talk about anything. And he was the guy that I danced down the halls with before every show. And I traveled with he and his wife and my husband and I. We went over there to London to see Joseph. And we had a lot of fun together.
1: That's so lovely. And um, Daphne, do you have like a favorite memory from the show in general? Can you think of
3: something? Well, my favorite moments, probably the first scene that I did on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I thought it was classy the way they introduced me and kind of just disregarded the fact that there was a change <laughs> in <Yeah>. personnel. <laughs> they just made one little comment about it and it was never spoken of again. And I thought that was a class act.
1: That's so nice. I just want to say thank you to you for my teenage years and thank you to your husband for my childhood because this oh, is so excellent. Getting to talk to you guys.
3: <laughs> now you know Sister Sister is now streaming on. What?
1: I do. I'm actually rewatching it uh, this oh, week. Good. Before I even knew I was go- I was going to talk to you, I was literally freaking out with my friend too in Ireland, going, "Oh yay! It's like her childhood it's like Sister Sister's on <laughs> good,
3: good good. Very right. good. So yes,
1: have you ever been to Ireland, actually, Daphne?
3: No, I got close. I've been to Scotland, and I've been all over (laughs) Great Britain, but I didn't hop across the water to Ireland yet.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) yes.
3: I intend to go there. The photographs that I do are um, mostly of doors from around the world, and I know Ireland has some incredible doors, and I'm anxious (laughs) to go and capture them on my camera.
1: Well, that's definitely goals for after COVID, so.
2: Yes. Overall, sorry, Elena. Go ahead. I was going to ask, you know, because it was 30 years since the initial Fresh Prince came out and all, what do you think has been the legacy of the show, not only then, but here so many years later?
3: I think the iconic status comes from it being a well-written show, and the fact that it dealt with universal themes. Fish Out of Water is always a very usable universal theme, but the characters were all well-defined and they each had their own point of view. It wasn't like we were a homogenous family. (laughs) Each member of the family had its own little quirks and points of view and, and richness. And I think that plays to the universality of the show and the fact that it is now on its third generation of watchers. I think that's just an incredible kudo to the writers and creators of that show and to Will who is just the most charismatic and brilliant young man who's out there doing it now.
2: And it's key with the writing. And he's from my neck of the woods in the Philadelphia area,
3: which Ah. is awesome.
2: So, but I think you hit on it with the writing because there were certain topics throughout the series, whether it be his father, the abandonment there.
3: Leaving again.
2: Yeah, or there's, I don't remember the whole story, but there were certain topics with like Carlton and Will being arrested and accused just because of, this stuff. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it touched on real topics.
3: Yes. And I think a lot of the topics were universal topics that were not just akin to black folk, but to anybody who had a family relationship.
2: Yeah. But I always, at least for me that I can speak, I don't know about Elena, but I always appreciate it touching on the real life topics of the different dynamics.
3: It's not just a joke.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. you had your fun and games and the jokes, but there were some real topics touched without the series. But if folks want to see what's going on with Daphne now, where is the best spots to do so?
3: Well, you would go to daphne.maxwellreed.com, where I keep you posted on all my happenings and all of the things that I'm doing outside of show business as well, the mask making. You can order masks from me, they're designer masks. And I also make clothing. There's some things that you can see of Daphne style. And it also has a lot of my photography and the books that I've published and a cookbook that I did as a mini memoir. So there's lots of ways to keep in touch with Daphne, but there's a good starting.
2: That's the best bet. Well, since we are having it this week and it's bringing some positivity, Merry Christmas, Daphne, to you and yours.
3: You and happy holidays to both of you and find some joy.
2: Learn more about the Zenith difference at Zenith.com, that's X-E-N-I-T-H hcom
0: Wow! Thinking your day is bad, and really looking to make it worse, why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. <laughs> Now That's What I Call Depressing is gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend whilst in cell block 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open... Who <laughs> the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial.
2: Always with you what cannot be done.
0: Those that rather have it out than in, this loaded hit will be dropping soon, farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS. Hey, this is April Hunter, and you are listening to Crazy
1: Train Radio. Woo-hoo!